And we are back for episode number 13 of the Travel and Adventure Photography School podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Robert Massey. So glad you're here. We are continuing our conversation about the fundamentals of photography. And today we are going to talk about stabilizing your camera to create sharper images. This is a problem I see a lot with people when they're first starting to take photos. And it's that you're not getting the best images because your camera is shaking. This has nothing to do with not having a fast enough shutter speed to make sure that your subject isn't blurry or moving in the frame. And has everything to do with you having too slow a shutter speed and that's causing camera shake and blurring your images. So last week we talked about the exposure triangle and one of the key parts to the exposure triangle is shutter speed. So shutter speed does two things. It controls how long your shutter is open for, and it also controls the way that movement is recorded in your image. So faster shutter speeds mean less light coming into your camera, but it means that you can freeze action. Think sports photography and high action photography. Slower shutter speeds mean more light comes into your camera, but it also allows more movement in your picture. So think like landscape photography, when you get those really silky waterfalls and those really silky clouds, that's allowing the water and the clouds to flow through the frame and you need a slower shutter speed for that. Slow shutter speeds can lead to blur in your images in a couple of different ways. You can get motion blur on your subject from them moving faster than your shutter is recording them, but it can also cause blur because you are trying to handhold your camera and you are moving the camera itself. You're causing camera shake. This generally comes about because you're using a shutter speed that is too slow for you to handhold. Now, we talked about ways to deal with problem number one last week. Your subject's moving too fast for your shutter speed. This week, we are going to talk about ways to reduce issues caused by problem number two. Firstly, we're going to talk about how to reduce camera shake when handholding a camera, as well as a technique to allow you to go slightly slower and get better images. Then we'll talk about various external stabilization pieces in monopods and tripods and how they can really help to stabilize your photos. So, let's get going. Firstly, what is camera shake? Camera shake is when everything in your image is blurry because the camera was moving around while you were taking a picture. Generally, when there's camera shake, you will see everything in the image is either a little bit blurry or a lot blurry. This is different than when your subject is moving too fast for your shutter speed because that would mean just your subject is blurry and not the whole picture itself. When you're hand-holding a camera, it can be pretty easy to introduce camera shake. And hand-holding is how most people will be taking a lot of photos. We don't like lugging around big tripods everywhere for our big cameras, and I have yet to put my iPhone on a tripod. So we hand-hold for photos a lot of the time, especially when we're traveling. There are so many locations we can't set up a tripod or we don't have time to set up a tripod. Hand-holding is a necessity in photography, but how do we do it well? Now, there are many factors that go into how low a shutter speed you should use to not have camera shake when hand-holding your camera. But the general rule is to not go below your focal length of the lens you're using. So if you're shooting at 200 millimeters, then you need to have a 200 plus shutter speed. If you're shooting at 500, you need to have a 500 or more shutter speed. If you're shooting at, with a 50 millimeter, you got to have a 50 or more shutter speed. 
and you never want to go below 1 30th of a second. Now, this is really just a general guideline, but it's a really good one to start with. If you are seeing lots of camera shake in your image, try simply increasing your shutter speed. This might mean you have to play with your other exposure settings, ISO and aperture. If you don't remember what they're like, go back and listen to episode number 12 and learn about ISO and aperture and how you can play around with those to be able to increase your shutter speed. And yes, this does mean taking your camera out of full automatic and shooting in manual or shutter speed priority mode, but it's well worth it to be able to get not blurry images, don't you think? Remember, there are other factors that can come into play, such as your own muscle fatigue and how tired you are, how cold it is outside. Anything like that can introduce more camera shake and thus change that general rule. You might think you'd be able to get away with 1 50th of a second on a 50 millimeter, but if it's freezing cold outside and you're tired after a long day hiking and your arm is shaking a little bit and you're shivering, that's going to introduce a lot more camera shake. So you've got to be cognizant of the situation you are in as well. What I'm really saying is experiment. If you're seeing blurry images, experiment with shutter speeds that you need and just remember to keep an eye on it while you're shooting. Now, camera manufacturers are also trying to help you get less blurry images. They have introduced something called image stabilization and in-body image stabilization into their lenses and their camera bodies. And it depends on the manufacturer and depends on all that kind of stuff. And it's some lenses and not others. When you're buying a lens and you would like one that has image stabilization or you're buying a camera body and you're looking for one that has in-body image stabilization, look through the specs and just make sure that's included with the lens or the body that you're looking for. But what is image stabilization exactly before you decide to go and spend money on a lens that has that in it? It is essentially your lens or camera compensating somewhat for the minute shake you introduce when taking a photo. While both lens-based stabilization and in-body stabilization offer similar kind of benefits to helping reduce the shake in your camera, they do it in slightly different ways. So lens-based stabilization uses a floating lens element within the lens itself, and that is electronically controlled and shifted opposite to any camera shake recorded by your camera. In-camera systems work similarly, but will physically shift the image sensor itself to compensate for these movements. But what does this all actually mean? Basically, IS and IBIS allows you to take photos handheld at slower shutter speeds. How much slower will depend on your camera or lens, the company you're using, but it can be anywhere from three to five stops of light, typically. Basically, this means you could, theoretically, shoot with a 500mm lens at just 1 60th of a second. It's a huge, huge increase. But to do that, you still need to be incredibly stable. You still need to be certain of your surroundings, understanding what's going on, all that kind of good stuff. But in-body image stabilization and image stabilization in lenses can really be a huge help if you're looking to lower your shutter speed a little bit. Remember about your motion from your subject, however. Don't lower it so much that your subject is moving unless you're intending that. Now, one thing to note, IS and IBIS can have some fun things happen to it when trying to take panning photos or when shooting on a tripod. Too often, I see photographers who pick up new lenses, they see it has image stabilization, they flick it on, and then they never turn it off, no matter what situation they're in. And there are actually situations where you are going to want to turn off image stabilization, either in the lens or in the camera, or both, if it has both. This is because IS and IBIS can cause a feedback loop. 
Basically, the camera's IS system essentially detects its own vibrations and starts moving around even when the rest of the camera is completely still. That means the camera is introducing its own movement because it is sensing itself. And then it moves more and it senses its own movement and it just it can create this really bad feedback loop problem that can actually introduce shake into your image even though you were on a tripod and doing everything properly. So turn off IS when you're shooting on a tripod. Now, panning to take a photo with your IS or IBIS or image stabilization and in-body image stabilization turned on can cause problems as well because you're moving that camera intentionally while you're panning is going to think that you are causing motion because you are, you're physically panning the camera, but it's going to try and counteract that pan. So you want to turn off IS if you're trying to take panning photos, say of like a biker going racing by or something like that because otherwise you're going to get blurrier photos because your in-body image stabilization or your lens-based stabilization is going to be fighting what you are trying to do to create an image. There are some higher-end lenses that offer different types of image stabilization. So my 70-200-2.8 actually has two types of image stabilization built into it. One is a general stabilizer that will help in all cases while taking a photo not on a tripod. The other one is meant for when you are doing panning style images when you are moving in one direction. This helps the camera know that you are intending to move, say, left to right with the lens so it doesn't actually try to compensate for the left-right movement. It might just try to compensate if you're going up and down. That said, IS and IBIS are amazing things and they're only getting better with what they can do now. Olympus has a camera out that you can handhold shooting the Milky Way with. Yeah. You can handhold astrophotography with a camera that Olympus has released, and I'm sure that there's other ones you can do that with as well. It's an amazing step forward in technology. Such a huge help, especially for those of us who are traveling and we can't have a tripod with us or don't want to set up a tripod. Now, that being said, there are times where we want a certain type of image that actually necessitates a slower shutter speed, but we don't have or can't set up some form of external stabilization. So what do we do? I have two things I typically do in those situations. Trick number one is pretty straightforward. Find a stable object that you can put the camera down on. That's it. I have used this for photos all over the world, and it is really handy when a photo comes up suddenly. You can just put your camera down on a ledge, a rock, the ground, your car, really any stable surface. And you'll be able to take a much longer photo than you normally would because you are bracing your lens and you are bracing your camera and not introducing any shake by you trying to hold it in the air. Just make sure what you put your camera down on won't start moving or having vibrations go through it. Like on the railing of a suspension bridge that will move around in the wind or when people go walking by or setting your camera down on a running car because cars shake a bit while they're running and that will shake your camera around. Make sure when you are using this technique to lock your mirror up, if you are shooting with an SLR that allows you to lock the mirror up, typically this happens by you putting your camera into live view mode. The mirror slaps down every time you take a photo without it being locked up, and that can cause a lot of extra shake in your camera that you don't need. If you're shooting on mirrorless, you don't have this problem. If you're shooting on a DSLR, you will. Find a way to lock your mirror up. Also, use the 2 or 10 second timer to take your image. This way you don't introduce any camera shake yourself by pressing the shutter button. So I use this especially points where I've forgotten to charge or forgotten to bring uh, one of my buttons to be able to fire my camera remotely. 
I set up the two second timer, hit the button, and then just make sure I don't touch the camera. All right, tip number two is one I've talked about before on here, but it's one of my favorites and I've used it a lot, so I'm going to go over it again. It's called the three shot method. So you do this by taking three photos back to back to back without removing your finger from the shutter button. The idea here is that the middle frame will be the most stable because you won't introduce camera shake by pressing the shutter button or by removing your finger from the shutter button. So in theory, images one and three will be affected by this movement you are making, but image two should be unaffected. So here's how you do this. Plant your feet firmly and comfortably on the ground so that you aren't moving. I like to have my feet about shoulder width apart and slightly staggered to give myself the best balance. Soften your knees ever so slightly and put your camera up to your eye, then pull your elbows in tight to your torso. What you're really doing is turning yourself into a stabilizer for your camera. Conversely, instead of placing your elbows into your body, if there's a wide stable surface nearby, you can also brace your elbows on that. After bracing your elbows, relax your body, particularly your shoulders. Pull them away from your ears. Too many of us sit up with our shoulders around our ears. Pull them down and relax a little. Now tighten up your core to increase your balance and take a deep breath. Don't exhale, hold it. Now take your three photos. Once the last photo is fired off, breathe out slowly and look at your work. Try as many times as you need to to get this right. Sometimes it can be a bit of trial and error. Sometimes it can just be a bit of bad luck that the wind kicked up exactly the wrong time and kind of shifted you sideways a little bit or moved the camera ever so slightly. I've been able to get super stable photos down to about two or three seconds by using this and bracing my body up against something that doesn't move and doesn't shake. So give it a shot for yourself the next time you can't set up a tripod, you know, in a big old historic cathedral or something like that, or when you simply don't have one with you and you want to be able to take some long exposure photos. Now, what about external stabilizers? What exactly is that? What does it mean? What are these things we can use to set our cameras up on to help them become more stable? Well, there are basically two types of stabilizers that are common in photography. There's a lot of different types of stabilizers that are out there right now, but there's two really common types in photography right now. The tripod and the monopod. So a monopod is a one-legged, typically extending stabilizer. They're used to help provide extra stability for your camera, although you will still need to hold on to the camera itself in a lot of cases. And these are typically used to stabilize big lenses, things like 200 millimeters and up, to help reduce fatigue from holding a big heavy lens for a long period of time and to help reduce camera sway and shake because telephotos can actually have way worse shake in them because you've got a lot more elements. It can actually cause some big blurring problems because of the way that they are built. And because a lot of them are huge and heavy and tiring to hold for a long time. So you're going to start shaking a lot more yourself. So monopods are super helpful when you're going to be holding your camera up to your face for a long time with a telephoto lens. I particularly loved mine when I was doing sports photography. And when I go out and do a little bit of wildlife photography, they are very helpful for doing any sort of photography, essentially, where you will be hand holding a big lens for a long time. All right, that's a monopod. Now a tripod. This is a three-legged stabilizer, and they come in a massive variety of shapes and sizes. You can get huge 20-pound tripods that really are meant for studios and when you're not going to be lugging them around all over the place. 
to ones the size of a water bottle, and even ones that you can wrap around railings and trees that are magnetic with little rubber feet on them. There are an amazing variety of tripods, and which one you're going to use is really going to depend on what you're shooting, where you're shooting, the money you have to buy one, all that kind of good stuff. The huge advantage of a tripod is that once you have set it up, you can let go of your camera. You can really walk away from it, and it will remain in one position while you are taking photos. That's as long as you use a remote trigger and don't bump or move the tripod or somebody doesn't come over and try to pick it up or something. But really, once you've set it up, you don't even have to worry about what's going on with your camera. This makes a huge difference when you're shooting things like sunsets and sunrises, doing night photography, blue hour, anything like that. Basically, every photo can benefit from having the stabilization of shooting on a tripod. They are cumbersome and difficult to use and take away from some of the flow of photography, so you want to think about that. But if what you're trying to shoot is going to benefit from having that tripod attached to it, it's probably a good idea to attach a tripod to it. This is because it allows you to really get down low into your shutter speeds. So you can even start getting into bulb mode, which basically means you can have your shutter open for a massive amount of time. It depends on which camera and stuff like that that you're using, but lots of cameras you can leave your shutter open for hours on end to be able to take photos and you can only do that if your camera is properly stabilized on something like a tripod. So there are a couple things to note about tripods and the way that they are designed. Firstly, their size and weight. A bigger, heavier tripod will typically be more sturdy than a lightweight tripod. This is due to the tripod's relationship to gravity and resistance to outside forces from moving it. Something like the wind is much more likely to buffet and move a lightweight tripod versus a 20 pound one. That being said, they're heavy and they take a lot to move around. So you need to weigh the cost benefits of carrying a massive tripod versus a light one versus where you're going, what you're doing. Think about all that when you are deciding which tripod to bring with you or which tripod to purchase. Now, secondly, the material the tripod is made from. Tripods made from carbon fiber will actually transfer fewer vibrations from the ground up into your tripod, reducing the shake going into your camera that is mounted on the tripod from people walking by or cars going by, from you moving around on the ground around your tripod while you're waiting for your five or six minute long exposure to go off, anything like that. Carbon fiber will actually help reduce that shake and in some cases eliminate it entirely. Other materials tend to transfer some vibration up into the body of the tripod, and if they are substantial enough, can lead to shake in your images. To get the most out of your beautiful tripod, you will want to do a few things. You're going to need to get a remote trigger. This way you don't need to touch your camera to take a photo as they allow you to take one remotely. There are a number of remote trigger options available on the market from wired ones to those built into your camera to those operated via Bluetooth. There's sound operated ones. There's motion activated ones, all sorts of different remote triggers. Once again, decide on the type of photography you are doing. I love to have a wired remote trigger and I also have a Bluetooth remote trigger. So I personally use an Alpine Labs Pulse because I love not having to touch my camera at all to change things like shutter speed, ESO, aperture, fire off images, set up a time lapse, basically whatever I need to do with my camera, I can do from the app on my phone and not actually touch my camera itself. This helps keep the camera in exactly the same location 
which can help for doing star trails and layering images back together. And it can really help to reduce any chances that you're going to introduce a little bit of extra shake, throw off your composition, anything like that. It also means you can tuck your hands away and get really nice and warm maybe and bundle up into a sleeping bag or something when you're outside and you're cold. It's a huge advantage to have both types of triggers, a wired one and a Bluetooth one. So think about what type you're going to need for the type of photography you're doing. Finally, flip up the mirror on a DSLR. We talked about that a little bit earlier about how to do it and why you want to do it, but it's because you don't want that mirror slamming down every time it takes a photo and introducing that shake into the beginning and the end of your image, which can ripple throughout the entire photo, depending on how long that exposure is going to be for. So lock up the mirror if you can. If you're shooting on mirrorless, this isn't a problem. If you're shooting on a phone, this isn't a problem. But if you have a mirror in your camera, lock it up. Finally, think about where you are setting up. And if you're going to be there for a long time. So if the weather is bad, if the wind is whipping around, try finding some protection for you and your tripod from the wind. Again, this will help reduce the exterior forces pushing on the tripod and thus increase the likeliness that your images will be sharp. If it's super windy out and it's buffeting hard into that tripod, it can shake that tripod around pretty good and shake your camera around pretty good enough that your images will not be sharp. So cover yourself up if you can. You'll also probably stay out there a little bit longer taking photos if you're not shaking around in the wind. Awesome. So that's tripods and monopods. They are external stabilizers that can really help increase the stability of your images. And that is camera shake and a bunch of different ways to help reduce it in your photos. The key thing I want to reiterate at the end here is that this will help reduce camera shake itself, but will not stop subjects from being blurry if they are moving too fast for your shutter speed. None of these will make a difference for that. All these do is help you to take more stable photos, particularly at slower shutter speeds. That's my tips for stabilizing your camera and for hopefully getting some sharper photos. Next week, we are going to continue on with the fundamentals of photography, and we are going to talk about lenses. These beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things that allow us to create such fantastic images. We'll talk about the different types of lenses that are out there, what they are typically used for, and things you should understand about the way that they work. Thank you so much for joining me again here today. I love doing this all, so thank you for listening and being a part of this with me. If you want to talk art, if you want to talk photography, if you just want to let us know about something you think we should talk about on the podcast here in the near future, drop us a line. Um, you can find a contact form on the website along with our emails. The website is travelandadventurephotographyschool.com. You can also find the show notes there for this week and every previous episode. If you're enjoying this and listening on a podcasting platform that allows reviews, please drop us a review and let us know how we're doing and hit that subscribe button so that you get updated when we post a new episode every Monday. You can find us on Facebook at Travel Adventure Photography School, and you can find us on Instagram at Travel Adventure Photo School. And if you want us to see the photos that you are taking inspired by what we are doing here on the podcast, what we're doing in the community, use the hashtag TAPS Community, T-A-P-S Community. This will allow us to see the images that you are posting, comment, we can talk about them. We'd love to see the work that you are creating. Let us know what you're up to. Thank you so much again for joining me here today. I look forward to next week when we get to talk about one of my favorite things on the planet, lenses. All right, let's adventure soon, everybody.